Welcome back to Maiden March. Today is Tuesday, April 6th, the day after the conclusion of the college basketball season. That went quick, didn't it, boys? That went fast, yeah. We got Baylor as our national champions for the first time ever, and we're going to break down the um, two Final Four games and the national championship game. But first things first, uh, we need to shout out the winner of the Maiden March Bracket Challenge. For those of you who know, we had almost we had over 150 people join yeah. our ESPN Bracket Challenge. Mm-hmm. It was free of charge. We said we'd Venmo the winner $40, and lo and behold, we have a winner in the 99.7th percentile. That's impressive. impressive. I think I think the overall like bracket score. I think the highest was like sixteen like fifty or something like Incredibly that. Incredibly so impressive! Shout out Al Braun for winning the bracket challenge. Um, get into contact with us. We put some out on Twitter. We'll put some out on Instagram later tonight. Um, get into contact with us, and we'll be more than happy to venue your forty dollars for winning because ninety nine point seven percentile. That's impressive. That is tough very impressive. To do. You won the bracket pool by ninety points. That's that's domination. domination. Exactly. Yeah. That's domination. You want to list a few of the other guys that came, I guess, close, but yeah, not really? Yeah, so second place is Chafe. That's actually a friend of ours here at Made in March, so yeah, congrats credit to Chafe. To, to Chafe. And then in third place, hopefully not last, well, congratulations, you were not anywhere near last place. How third the place is incredible. Indeed, indeed. But that was fun, putting together a bracket challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, that's going to be something we do every year. Yep. So oh, yeah. mark your calendars down. Whenever the bracket releases, make sure to tune into Made in March, check our social media, and you'll be sure to find the link to the Bracket Challenge year in, mm-hmm. year out. Because, you know, it's the least we can do for you guys, you know, listening and supporting us on social media to just Venmo the winner $40. It's not that hard. So Exactly. Yep. Thanks for everything you guys do. That's our little treat to you, I guess. Yep, that's definitely it. And then should we get right into the games to kind of start with? Yeah. So start. we'll start with the final four games. First game was Baylor versus Houston. And Baylor dominated this game. They won 78-59. to 59. It is what some might call a snoozer of a Final Four game, if there ever was one. I would agree, yes. Now, this is where people really start to question Houston's run with playing all double-digit seeds. I think that's the first time ever, if I'm not mistaken. And not only that, but getting quite literally crowned <laughs> versus Rutgers. I you mean, know, it's like the world was against Rutgers. Well, I just game. walked into this one, but, you know, <laughs> I'm not going to say I didn't see that coming. I'm not going to say I didn't see it coming. But Houston, I don't. I, after the second half, they kind of gave up, it looked like. It as didn't far look as like concerned. they were trying the entire game. Uh, the entire game. They I'll, just I'll came out slow, it. lackadaisical, and Baylor just pounced on them from the get-go. Mm-hmm. Which is crazy because Houston's whole MO as a team is grit and grind, blue collar, you know, yep. bring your lunch pill to work sort of team who will never give up. Mm-hmm. And Dejan Giroux, the most of that team. In the he, second half, it looked like Dejan Giroux had mentally checked out of that he, game. He checked out with probably eight minutes left in the first half. Which is bananas, crazy. because in the Rutgers game, he was the guy that brought them back from the dead, that played through his hit pointer yep. like five different times. Mm-hmm. It's It wasn't the Houston team we had seen all tournament, and you're right. It kind of makes you question their run to the Final Four. Yes. But at the end of the day, they, still they, got don't, there. they got there. They don't control who they play. So Kelvin Sampson's still a phenomenal coach. And yeah. also, this Houston team as far as I'm concerned, at least, overperformed their expectations. I think they're ranked 20th coming into the season. Personally, this I didn't think this team was that talented. I yeah. really don't. I Quentin Grimes is a good transfer piece. He took a huge step forward. Dejan Giroux is a great leader, but he, like, he does everything well, but like nothing incredible. So like he just he's I well he's that. a well-rounded guy. And then they have a ton of young sophomores and freshmen who are very ball hoggy, I would say. Take a lot of shots. So I didn't. I really didn't have. I mean, this was my sleeper team coming into the season, and 
it was I had little expectations for this team, and they they truly outperformed what I had in mind for them. Yeah, and not to mention Caleb Mills transferred mid season. He was a really nice bench piece for them. Right, that was their sixth man. A couple weeks in, he's out. He had so. another obstacle to overcome. But Houston, they were mm-hmm. that great and grand team. But you know, when Baylor gets off to the start that they got off to, I mean, they were up what twenty five points within like the first ten minutes of the That's game. Basically, largely yep. twenty five. Yeah. Like I, you never want to like say mm-hmm. that you understand quitting. But when a team gets off to a 25-point lead in the first 10 minutes of the game, you kind of do. I mean, it was just a classic Baylor game, right? I mean, they shot a smooth 45.8% from three and, you know, played Baylor basketball out there. They got Mitchell with 11 assists. I would say behind one of the players we'll mention the next game, he's the the runner-up for the player of the tournament, at least up to that point. He was just dominant. His foot speed and, like, agility and acceleration off the ball is insane. Like, he gives a little stutter step, and just like that, he's at the rim. Yep. It's crazy. Davion and Max A. Smith, I think, fastest. are the two fastest players in college basketball. Mm-hmm. But Davion Mitchell has the best hezzy, best change of speed mm-hmm. in all of college basketball. And 100%. he used to not have a mid-range or a three-point jumper, and he's developed that, like, mightily this year. It's And it's it's lethal. It's a great combo. I mean, when Baylor, all three of their starting guards, plus Matt Meyer off the bench in double figures, it's going to be really hard to beat him. Yeah. I think Baylor was, what, five-point favorite, and we said hammer Baylor. Yeah. Yeah, we said that Baylor's going to cover that. And I mean, lo and behold, they did. We've been actually pretty solid on our picks recently. Yeah, you can go to the bracket breakdown and, you know, spot out some of our not-so-great <laughs> picks. But on the lines, ever since, like, the yeah. second round, we've been making money. Well, this this line was just... Bananas, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Five-point line with a team, Baylor team, that was undefeated through most of the regular season. Until they got that COVID pause. Yeah, yep. and then against a Houston team that's kind of been wavering and injured, mm-hmm. I guess, as of late, and hasn't looked as strong. But, yeah, that was, that was a hammer of the, hammer the cover. And, yeah, you mentioned this off-podcast, Wesley, but I think um, throughout this tournament, I think Wisconsin gave them the best run for their money. I think Gabe they really, I the really think they money. did. Makes you think, you know, obviously you can say that run. this is a homer take, but let's say Wisconsin plays any other one or two seed, mm-hmm. what happens? Something yeah. to ponder. I mean, obviously. It's the many what-ifs of this tournament, and mm-hmm. truthfully, every tournament has what-ifs like that. But, yeah. yeah. But anyways, you know, Baylor dominated, but shout-out to Houston as a whole. You mentioned it, Wesley. Kelvin Sampson, he's done an incredible job during this mm-hmm. program round. It's impressive. Houston is now a basketball program that is respected. And people want to go there. Ten years ago, you absolutely couldn't have said. They had rats in the gym, and now there's recruits going there. There's people transferring there because they respect him so much. They respect yep, the culture. Exactly. So Houston got demolished, but at the end of the day, if you're a Houston fan, you know, you, you'll look back fondly on this year in your about ten that, years. Yeah. But... That pretty much wraps up that blowout game. And then moving into arguably mm, unbiased, maybe the best game, college basketball game I've seen in my lifetime. Maybe. That's a very valid yep. take. Unbiased, obviously, as a Wisconsin fan. 100% game of the year. 100% game of the year, no doubt. Unbiased, I'd probably say of my lifetime. Biased, I would say the Wisconsin win over the undefeated Kentucky team. As Wisconsinites ourselves, that game has to be at the top. For but me. If we're looking at it objectively, here's my rankings of best games of all time. Number one, I have the 2017 National Championship game between North Carolina and with, Villanova. Yes, that's, that can be ahead of it, with the, yes. With the Chris Jenkins Chris buzzer beater. I mean, the forgotten Marcus Page shot. The forgotten Marcus Page shot. I think this Michael game Jordan better. crying in the stands, everything. And that game was incredible. That game was this incredible. game. Gives it a run for its money. Gives I think it all this game got. is better. I, I personally believe this game is better. But that, I was Part of the reason it's a, it's is a, it's, a, it's the undefeated. It's the storyline. The undefeated Zags versus going for the, the first perfect four, season versus the first four eleven oh. seeded UCLA. 
It's just amazing. It's what a story. But I mean, we haven't even gotten into the game yet. We'll stay the final score. 93-90 in overtime. Gonzaga wins this game. Yeah. And And I hope that you cut out a little time in your day to watch this game. This was this was the best start to finish game I've I've definitely watched of college basketball. The entire game was neck and neck. No team really got a big lead on each other. Mm -hmm. You know, when there was about seven minutes left in the game, the Zags had like a seven six point lead, something like that. And I thought, here we go. The Zags are gonna pull away, they're gonna win by ten like they always do. And UCLA never gave up, and that was just the story of the whole game. It was back and forth the entire time. Yeah, so I mean Mick Cronin put together a I, I don't think I can say perfect because they didn't win, but a as close as you can get to perfect the game only plan. Thing I think you can perfe- say perfect. I think because the game plan was perfect other than winning. So I think the game plan in itself. But at the end of the day, UCLA yeah. has less talent than Gonzaga. Let's be real right. with ourselves. Yes. So you can have a perfect game plan and still lose against a better mm-hmm. team. Because Mick Cronin did all he did. He did. I mean, Mick Cronin reached into his bag. And he pulled out those Cincinnati playbooks, and he yeah. said, "We're going to hound you on defense. We're going to we're going to be aggressive. aggressive. We're not going to be afraid to foul. Yeah, we're going to play players smart. with fouls as well." Mm-hmm. That was smart, and they they shot fifty eight percent from the field and lost. That's not happening much, yeah. especially I mean, in the final four. I mean, Cronin's game plan was to slow the game down. Now I don't know, like UCLA, they slowed the game down. Like they try to get it to the end at of the times, shot clock at times. I would say for the majority UCLA, of the did. time they did. But they always ended up getting a really nice look, which is why they shot the ball so well. I don't even know if they necessarily got nice looks, but Johnny Juzang, you can say a ton of things about him. I think one of his best attributes is when there's five seconds or less on the shot clock, he will find a good look, and he will make it. Johnny Juzang, hands down, is the player. I think the most fun player to watch this tournament. For sure the player of the tournament in my book. Johnny Juzang's player of the tournament this year, I think no doubt. I mean, what do you go this game? 12 of 18 for 29 points? Yep. Probably not even his best game of the tournament. Definitely not even his best game of the tournament. I think it was, probably. Think it was? Yeah. I don't know. His last game versus Michigan, that was a pretty gritty game as well. Yeah. I mean, he's... he's, And he's... Think about it. He's been playing on, like, a three to four times same ankle sprain throughout the whole tournament. He keeps spraining it over and over. I mean, it's a pretty painful injury to keep doing the same thing to your ankle. But he's a gritty player. Mm -hmm. Yep. I honestly think UCLA played... A better game I than too. Gonzaga. 100%. I think 100%. the reason the Zags won this game was Joel Ayai. Oh. He kept them in this game the first half. If Joel Ayai was not almost perfect playing almost, Gonzaga loses this game. I mean, what was Joel Ayai from the field? Nine of 12, 22 points, and he hit his first eight shots, I think, he's, from the field. Yes, he he's so a forgotten. Friend. Joel Ayai gets no love. He's the most underrated player in college basketball. Because you look at Timmy Statline, he had 25, 11 of 15, but he struggled in the early parts of the game, as did Kispert. But Ayai was too. there to pick up the slack. He kept them close. He kept answering with UCLA's jabs, so mm-hmm. credit Joel Ayai. I think he's the reason that the Zags won this game. Yeah, and Corey Kispert, just like, just like a note, in the, at least in this game and in the we'll, next game, I, yeah. we'll get to it. But during the Final Four and in the championship game as well, he was broke from three. And it wasn't contested threes. It was all open threes that he was missing bad. And I think he obviously he's had, that hasn't been the case the entire regular season as he's probably the best three-point shooter in the country. Yep. <clears throat> and he did not look like it. It's almost like if Crazy. it's a contested look, Kispert better. was better. That's weird. And if you leave him wide open, it, it, like he'd brick shots. It's it's really weird for the best three point shooter in the nation. But yeah. I mean, that's sometimes how players play though. Yeah. Like they're they're better contested, which is a weird thing to think about. But that 
is sometimes how they play. The whole Not reason, the whole reason that this game is quite possibly the best college basketball game in recent memory, we yeah. haven't even mentioned it yet. First it of was, all, it went to overtime. It was the ending. It went to overtime on a so Johnny Juzang, um, questionable call. Some are saying. He's driving to the hole. Also, tie so they, game driving to the tie rack. game end of regulation. Tie game end of, re- end of regulation. Twenty seconds left. UCLA took way too long to get in a set. I uh, here's you disagree. You, I, no, no, no. I don't disagree. If you can say one thing about Johnny Juzang that he did wrong in this game, yep. One thing. It's that play. Is Cronin? If you saw him on the sideline, he's waving his arms. He wanted Juzang to bring the ball and up, get it across half court to call a timeout, and Juzang walked it up. So at that point, there were about six, seven seconds left, and Cronin didn't have time to call out or call a timeout. So if there's one knock on Juzang's game, which I'm not even going to say is a knock, sure, it's that. Mm-hmm. But yes, about Let's seven let, seconds yeah, left. Yeah, get to the play yeah, here, Alex. <laughs> and then and then Johnny Juzang takes it to the hole. Personally, he's got I think one of the better mid ranges in college basketball. I think he should have pulled up. He goes to the hole. He had space to pull. He had plenty of space. Runs into Drew Timmy, who has four fouls. And they call a charge. Now, lots of players, some biased, as in Lonzo Ball who went to UCLA, or other players are calling it a block charge. Very questionable call, but do we think the refs made the right call? To here? the people complaining about this call, I have three words for you. Wait. Four words for Four. you. <laughs> recount, recount. Cry me a river. The Stripes called a great game. That was one of the best games the Stripes have called on tournament, in my opinion. You know why? Drew because Timmy was outside the zone. He was set. Mm-hmm. There's no way you can call that a block. And Drew Zang was out of control driving. Yes, I agree. The and only no, that was a charge that it and can a half. Be a block is because Drew Zang didn't jump into him. He jumped to the side. I don't even know what you're saying. Timmy was still as could be. He's like a he tree. He didn't jump into him. He jumped to the side and he hit like. So what do you want it to be? A no call. Because it wouldn't have mattered. He missed the layup. So I don't... This is where this discrepancy comes in. There's no way you can call that a block. The refs did all they could. And at the end of the day, this game got sent to overtime. And God bless the fact that it did because we got blessed with a great overtime. And exactly. Let's, let's not forget, before this, Jalen Suggs had yes. one of the That's, most incredible blocks I have ever seen. Now, I think that block is a way more questionable than the, than the block. I thought the block was clean. Now... Clean block. Clean, clean as, can as be. block. Let's, let's. Do you think that? Because you know I do think that, yes. I thought it, w- it should have definitely not been called, but people are saying that he got him on the hand. Do you, the odds coming from behind on a, like a six foot eight a Cody six, Riley? Nine Cody Riley. Six, nine Cody Riley. The odds to come behind there and get that ball 100% clean or close to zero. It's been done before. No. Shout out Ben Wallace doing it on Shaq. It's that's not just, impossible. That not just impossible. shows the sheer athleticism of Jalen Suggs. Like, it just does. If people complain about calls. It's like, give me a break. You got blessed with one of the great games in college basketball exactly. history. I know. Let it be there. Let it exist. And the Let fact- it be a thing. If you're a UCLA fan, I can understand because listen i've been there before but you know, a, i would consider myself a uc listen now let's just let's not that even go there i'm not but, gonna acknowledge that comment i'm yeah. not gonna acknowledge that comment anyone complaining about the refs is lame and they you know they deserve to get made fun of a little bit for it also both teams were not in the bonus as overtime started so if the stripes called a great the stripes game. called a great game like you can't really complain i don't know I don't but know then overtime but overtime we was got blessed with another treat an absolute treat this i mean it was back and forth the whole overtime 
I think UCLA ended up trailing with... Uh, UCLA, I think they got down five with about 49 seconds left. Mick Cronin calls a timeout. Jaime Jaquez, after the timeout, hit a quick three. Quick, Very quick, quick hitter, three. Quick hitter. Yep. three, it was nice. And then down two, Zags missed a bucket, and then they gave the ball to Juzang. Missed the first shot, got his own rebound, made the layup, tie ball game. And then here comes... Mit the Suggs. Mit the Suggs. Mit the Suggs. Honestly, the last guy I probably want to be cheering for to take this <laughs> shot. He's in my book. He's an unlikable person. We have we have hated on Mit the Suggs almost this entire year. Like we correct. hated on Jalen Suggs From before. Hating on Jalen Suggs was cool. Yes, correct. From his first game, we called him. We said he Cry got crybabyitis. Yes. So we've been truthers in this department, but. Two seconds left, I think it was, or something, when he got that ball. Dribbled it up, got it past half court, threw up a prayer, and it went in. I, but I don't, I'm not going to call the prayer because it wasn't a lucky shot. You can't call a shot like that a lucky shot. Anybody who does is bitter slash has never played sports in their life. <laughs> I can what's, the, what's the saying? Luck is when skill and... Something about Kevin Durant process or something like that. Right? I don't, <laughs> luck is skill and preparation coming together. I, there's something some like, sort of quote like that. Some but Jalen Suggs hit a buzzer beater, and it was literally... Diff- semi-different circumstances, but it was like the Chris Jenkins buzzer beater in the yes. level of hypeness. Correct. And if there were fans there, I think they would have they would have gone bananas. out of their seats, literally, because I did. I I took a spill after this uh, after this shot. <laughs> it was incredible. This whole game was just phenomenal. that was wild. Like I don't. There's like there I was, was only no I was speechless. I know. Like he just hit that. There's no way. But. What a game, though. There's nothing else to say. That is a top five game I have for sure ever watched. It was it was wild. And, I mean, I was pulling for UCLA, but you can't watch that and, and, hate and be mad. You, you can't, can't hate it. It's the game. Unless you're a UCLA fan, obviously. Yes, and there were UCLA fans that were being, you know, crybabies about it. Shout out Skip Bayless, who said... Who tweeted out pure luck and then said you can't call it an all-time game when it's ended on a lucky shot? Which you know I'm not going to even think, I'm not going to even get into the debate of it being a lucky shot. I think he used buzzer beater too or something like I'm mean, not been a lucky shot actually. I'm not going to even get into the debate of a lucky shot because even if it was luck, who cares? Jalen Suggs deserves the luck because he's a hard worker mm-hmm. who goes in day in day out and grinds, grinds, grinds. So yeah, I mean, but it, it was an all-time classic. I mean, nine out of the ten starters in this game were in double figures. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, yeah, back and forth all game. I want to say there were, like, 19 lead changes in the game. And it's not – and there was a high-scoring game, as you pointed yeah. out, but it's not like the teams weren't playing defense. I, I actually thought – They were hitting shots. That the, Both the teams were playing pretty solid defense. And UCLA has obviously played phenomenal defense in their previous game against Michigan, holding Michigan it's, to 49 points. It's so. – both teams were hitting shots. Correct. It's That's all it was. And it was – Fun to watch because it's not like they weren't trying. It was just great shots. So at that point, the Zags' perfect season stayed alive. And, you know, a lot of people thought to themselves, like, oh, maybe, you know, the Zags, like, a little bump in the road. Because up to this point in the year, let's be real, they did not have a single bump in the road. No games were scary. It's like maybe that was theirs and now they'll be fine. As we'll see, that isn't necessarily the truth. But, I mean, UCLA, best, obviously, like, Best Cinderella, absolutely. Eleven seed, like I mean, VCU was an eleven seed that went to the Final Four. So was Loyola. Okay, but VCU yeah. didn't have to go up against an undefeated team that was looking to make. That's what I'm saying. Out of the most recent eleven seeds that made the Final Four, it's UCLA's not even number one. close. Not UCLA's I mean, one. UCLA beat a really good Michigan State team in the plane. 
They beat six seed of BYU, fourteen seed at Abilene Christian. That was, was a, that was a good, free game. But then they beat Bama, Michigan, the one and two seeds, and then ran into an incredibly good team. Now, UCLA, in my opinion, had the hardest run in the Final Four out of all four teams. One hundred percent. Yes, absolutely. pretty easily. Honestly, they didn't. They got a tough draw, I'd say, with Michigan State in a play-in like, to begin with, and then had to run through everybody. Their only easy game you could say was Abilene Christian. That's bound to happen because there were a lot of upsets this tournament. So, credit to UCLA. I don't what's like crazy. You can't is, you can't give them enough credit. What's crazy is the fact that this UCLA team lost their four straight games leading up to the tournament. Yep. And normally people like people, people being hot, coming in hot. Yes, and you know it's funny. You know you see people on Twitter and they're like, man, these you know the selection committee they never know how to put together a bracket. This UCLA team was way better than eleven seed, and I I push back on claims like that because. They really weren't. Like, when you watch them playing before the bracket, you know, sure, you look at their talent now, hindsight's twenty twenty. it's like this team is way better. Yes. But UCLA lost their four straight games going into the bracket, barely made it, that's were not you, playing great that's basketball. That's like the last thing, that's like, that's what Ohio State did. They lost their, what, last three out of their last four, four of their last five going into the tournament. And look what they did, they lost the 15th seed. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It's but if you're a UCLA fan... That stings. That's putting it salt in a wound. Stings, it stings, but, but you got to look back on this year with you know bright shades. You got to look back at the Cronin hiring because people in UCLA, UCLA fans were I wouldn't say thrilled by the Mick Cronin hire. Not to toot our own horns, we all thought that was a great hiring at the time. We knew what kind of culture he would bring there. Bring a culture. And yeah. you know, speaking of culture, UCLA next year. What are they on the preseason list? Number two. Number two, and Zags were number one. And Andy Katz for way power too early. Six had him at one. UCLA one. Okay. So UCLA is bringing everyone back. Chris Smith will be back. Chris Smith will be back. At five star, right? Yep, he'll probably no. replace Jules in the starting lineup. Do you think he's going to come? He's a senior right now. Do you think he's going to use his year of eligibility and probably come back? Did he or did he say? I think so. Yeah, got to imagine he will. I mean, and I mean their recruiting class. I know that they have to have some. They have to. I know they have one top fifteen. Plus, getting maybe a transfer to. I would want to go. This UCLA team is going to be a force to be reckoned with next year. They're going to be. I've seen a way around right now. The big three: Tiger, Jaime, and Juzang. We didn't even mention Tiger Campbell this game. He was a absolute force. His mid range was so nice. He made like five mid range shots, had seven assists. Was doing everything out there. I would have UCLA in the one line right now if I had to look for next year. We are looking way ahead, but I way ahead. Like that team. The oh, the one more thing I wanted to note about this game, just because it's kind of funny. Jalen Suggs, crybabyitis, as we pointed out at the beginning of the year. After his half-court shot, he was crying like a baby. It's a deserved... All things come back. It is all things come back. It's just funny that the narrative started at the first game of the year and ended in the final four. But it ended in the final game, then too. in the final game as well. You make that shot, anyone will cry. I just I thought it was funny because I was telling my dad during the game, I was like, yeah, this, this guy's a little bit of a baby out on the court. And then he made it and... You know, was crying as anyone would. As anyone would, we're not exactly. making fun. Just wanted to say. All also, Hep Cronin only got shown once during that game. That's Despicable. bananas. Despicable. Despicable. Honestly, I would love if any Made March listeners could do me a massive. Maybe favor that's why they and get a Hep Cronin count on this whole tournament. Hep Cronin was in one shining moment. That he is was. Bananas. He was in one shining moment. I remember. That. That's I mean, Hep has got more screen time than half the players in this tournament. I agree, and that seems bananas <laughs> to me. But so shout out UCLA, shout out the Cronin family. I mean, what an incredible run! What a run! I can't wait for next year with this. Brought team. me lots of joy watching yeah. UCLA. They're a fun team to watch, and we haven't even got to the championship game yet. No, 
before we like get into the actual game, this was probably one of the more anticipated national championships of the for sure the last five years. Probably, I'd say one of the more anticipated going in. I would say going into it, it was the most anticipated and probably the last you know five six years in my opinion. Yeah, I would say so. Just because these you were got the two best teams, Gonzaga, you got Baylor. Baylor two one seeds. Both were undefeated Both for the majority of the season. Both were clearly the two best teams all year, yep. at least during the regular season. Mm-hmm. You know, there was some doubt with Baylor towards the end. Looking back on it, it's obvious that was their COVID pause. Yep. Two best teams all year, though. You can't deny it. You can't deny that. And Baylor, we'll just hit you with the final score quick. Baylor wins this game 86-70. That was domination. They were in From control start to the finish. whole game. From start to finish. You kind of would get glimpses of, oh, here comes Gonzaga. They're down eight. But, like, deep Baylor down on the inside, you knew they never that laid off Baylor was not going to seed that game. I mean, you know, from the tip-off, Baylor's defense was just so intense. I I had never seen a and college the, basketball team play like that in recent memory. Especially in the championship game with, like, nor- they sound like it was a regular season game when they're, like, about to upset a team, like, their bench clapping super loud and stuff. Yeah. Like, it, it was not... Like a national championship vibe, which is what oh, I love. It's like there's just block shot after block shot after block shot, and not just regular block shots. Swats. Mind you, swats into like the fifth row stands. Yeah, they were. It was big time. And also, I don't know what Baylor started from three, but I know it was something nuts. It yeah, was I like think it was crazy. five. It was like five or six or something like that. Jared Butler was hitting threes left and right. Maceo hit a couple. I mean, Flagler was butter from three. Flagler, Flagler was hitting, was hitting from was three. Hitting and. Everybody was playing their part. Everybody was doing their role to a T, and that's just a well-oiled Baylor machine. And that's kind of what we saw for most of the year until the end, when everybody started to kind of doubt them a little bit. And here they come, mid-season form, ready. To and the Zags were not a well-oiled machine because you oh, touched on it earlier, Wesley. Corey Kispert, probably the best three-point shooter in the nation. Are we willing to say that? Are we willing to put that? Yeah, title? I yes, think he I'm is. there. Great shooter all year would just drop bucket after bucket after bucket. Mm-hmm. This game and the last game, not good. Couldn't really buy a bucket. Two Combined seven four of fifteen. Four fifteen. The final it. four national championship. That's not good. It's just from the when he, when he's shooting a three, normally you think it's automatic, and then mm-hmm. in this game, no confidence in him whatsoever. Yeah, none. And Gonzaga got out out rebounded thirty eight to twenty two. Baylor did an incredible job on Drew Timmy. Holding mm-hmm. Drew Timmy to twelve points, and Drew Timmy had five turnovers, and he got Baylor had too. fast hands out there. Also, Mark Vital's a phenomenal hands. matchup for Drew Timmy for it I'm, wasn't for even Baylor. Timmy, they rotated a I, bunch. They did for, rotate. Not Vital. They rotated a bunch of guys, which is what Timmy doesn't like. I think he likes to get like a kind of like a batter in baseball when they're kind of like getting used to that pitcher. Yeah, they got to break rotate. him in. Yeah. They just rotate and then absolutely threw him out of rhythm. Baylor did a phenomenal job on everybody. You're right. Zags, you know, they would, they'd kind of pull it close, and especially before the game started, you know, they would go on runs. They went on like mm-hmm. an 8-0 run at one point, I remember. Jalen Suggs did play very well this game. Very well. He fouled up, obviously. He had two early fouls, but when he was in there, he was very efficient. 22 yeah, points in both ends of the court, definitely. But it just wasn't really in question. At least in my so. eyes, I yeah. after the first really 10 minutes, I was just like, Baylor's got this one. They looked like the better team out there. They played with more hustle, more energy, and just both ends of the floor were dominating. From After 10 minutes in, you could say Baylor by 30, and you wouldn't be, be called crazy after that. I would say at the towards the end of the first half, the Zags threw a little 1-3-1 at Baylor, and that worked. which gave them problems for a little bit. Baylor was up 10 at half. 
But then Baylor came out second half and just dominated again. That's the sign of a true team when things start to kind of fade into the end of half. Credit to Scott Drew and the players, I guess, for stepping up. But, man, that was impressive to come out like that after kind of wavering a little bit and then just come out firing just like it was in the in the opening tip. So The NCAA is Drew. a guard-led game. And the guards 100%. of Baylor won them this tournament. It's been, a, it's been a saying for years, and honestly, we kind of forgot to mention it this year. Guard play wins championships. Guard yep. play, and normally we'll, senior play, but... Baylor, Baylor has both of those. They don't have seniors, but upperclassmen. Upperclassmen, you yes. can say that. That's fair. Baylor's probably got five guards that are... Uh, five guards that would start on just about any team in the country. Yeah. Yep. That's the fact that Flagler and Matt Meyer... Are off the bench is crazy. It's crazy. I mean, Baylor fans around the nation had to have been going nuts. First championship. First championship. They won their first Big 12 title this year and then national championship. We shout out a lot of coaches on here. We shout out Kevin Sampson. Obviously, we've touched on Mick Cronin. Even even Mark Few, you know, what a job he's done at Zags. But I don't think any of them deserve bigger praise than Scott Drew deserves at Baylor. He's been there for what? I think 17 years? Does that sound right? Yeah. He's been there a while. And when he got there, this program was nothing. They were the laughing stock of the Big 12, yep. football school. They everyone were for a knew. while. Long everyone time. knew. And he knew that this was not going to be a quick rebuild. This is not a place you can go in in five years, you'll be fine. Mm-hmm. But when he got there, he said, I'm going to get this team into the NCAA tournament, but that's not it. We're going to win games in the NCAA tournament and hopefully win a championship. Mm-hmm. And he has Look, done he all that. Sure, it maybe wasn't a five-year rebuild, but it was a slow burn, and Scott Drew has done a fantastic job there. If we're talking about great hires that teams have made, you got to look at what Baylor did, you know, almost a dozen more than a dozen that. and a half years ago. Yeah, 18 years ago, something like that. And just say, just, yeah, just what a hire. I mean, Scott hire. Drew, there's just, you can't say enough about him. And he's that culture has been built up for a while. I mean, everyone's bought in. That whole team's selfless. They don't care if they come off the bench. I know. Matt I Meyer know. doesn't care. Flagler doesn't care. Everyday John doesn't care. They come off exactly. the bench because they want to get that ring. And that's and they're better off because of it. And exactly, they have a, a full eight-man rotation that could honestly start on most teams, which is incredibly impressive. That Scott Drew is able to because normally college basketball guys, when they're not getting a lot of tech, they'll transfer. But the fact that he, he's able to keep all eight of those guys around for all those years and had people transfer there, like I think John Chamachachua transferred from UNLV, correct, to go to Baylor to yes. be on the bench. Yes, exactly. And he got a lot more spotlight, and you know, probably raised his stock. Not that he'd go to the NBA or anything, but still. Yeah, exactly. Know, it's overall basketball. Very style. impressive. Scott Drew has made what he's been able to do with Baylor. Nothing but credit to him. Now you look at Baylor in the future. I'm Vital is a senior. Maceo's a senior. I assume Davion and Jared Butler are gonna go pro. Got it. So it's gonna be Flagler and Matt yeah, Mayer yeah. coming back leading the backcourt next year. Was Plus, I thought Matt Mayer was a senior, is he not? No, he's not. Oh, Matt okay. Mayer is a I think he's a, he's a junior, okay. so he should be back. Okay. And then LJ Cryer, who's a freshman, didn't really play. He's going to be a nice piece for them next year. So they're going to have a new backcourt next year. I, but have, I, don't, I have not taken a look at Baylor's recruits. I'm assuming they have some. Got to be good. I assume Scott Drew's bringing in a decent class. And, and if they'll be not like a high recruit, it's talented. Baylor's still going to be good next yes, year. Yes, for sure. Um, but on to the Zags, because you know Baylor's getting all this praise. This was the Zags' year. The Zags are still without a championship. Mark Few, with, for the incredible job he's done at Gonzaga, turning that program into, you know, honestly, Arguably a bona fide blue blood. Yes. 
they're receiving a little bit of heat. You know, they're saying, oh, uh, you're not going to be able to just play Pepperdine all tournament. That's why you guys haven't won a title. I disagree with a lot of that. Zags always play tough out of conference. They're still a one-loss team. They're still a one-loss team. They're in conferences, you know, pretty cheddar. I'm not going to sugarcoat that. Exactly. Only team but, you know, you got to feel for Zags fans that are getting all that because this was a great team this year, one of the best in recent memory for college basketball. Mm-hmm. Dominant. And but like, you just, you know, at the end of the day, they aren't in a Power 5 conference. Yeah, Mark Few's going to have nice recruits coming in next year. Yeah, they're going to be in the tournament. They'll probably be a top seed. But you don't know when you're going to have that opportunity again. They'll still be very good next year. Absolutely. But Drew Timmy's coming back. Drew Timmy's going to come back. Anton Watson's going to fill in a Kispert spot. Anton um, Watson can't shoot, unfortunately. Well, he's going to replace him in the starting lineup. Suggs will be gone. <laughs> be worse. Nemhard and Ayayi, both juniors, they'll probably come back. Yeah, once again, I'm not denying that this team would be good sure, next year. I'm sure they're getting some top But if you're a Zags fan, you're saying to yourself, this, this was, was our year. Exactly. And, you know, so this it hurts for them. Yeah. But, you know, with Mark Few, they'll be back. But just there's no guarantees in any sport. Exactly. So it, it, it just hurts, you know, if you're a Zags fan. Mm-hmm. Especially to go with that dominant of a team. Especially, like, teams, will, they'll be like, yeah, I mean, you played in the West Coast Conference. What, what were they, 5-0 and against ranked teams in their out-of-conference schedule? And they always, they always schedule the toughest out-of-conference intentionally because they know they're going to get shit for being in the West Coast Conference. Exactly. They do it intentionally. So that, honestly, to me, that West Coast Conference argument... It, it holds hold, a little bit of water, but... It's not as much as everybody else portrays it to be because... I'm that, right there with you. But the only thing that it will do is that towards the end of the season, they're not playing as much competition. They're always playing in the beginning and kind of finish off the season easy, which is maybe not the best lead into the tournament. But still, they're playing competition throughout the year. I think that argument doesn't hold as much water as people think about the West Coast Conference being the reason that they don't win championships. I haven't won one. But, I mean, yeah. What a win for Baylor. What a year of college basketball. What a tournament. There's so incredible many, so many upsets this year. I mean, we had a lot of fun, didn't we? This was, this was a ton of fun. Um... But just because the games are over, you know, mid-March isn't going anywhere. We mm-hmm. need to state that clearly. We're going to have our end-of-season awards pod episode probably in, like, I don't know, what, a week maybe? Yeah, probably something like yeah. that. That is where always one of my favorite episodes. There. I agree. Because you get to talk about the whole season as a whole. You get to nominate your awards. There will obviously be some funny awards like best meme team, goofiest oh, yeah. players, stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Get to look back at the season. Nice recap. Yeah, you know, kind of recap everything. Well, obviously, we'll have a huge transfer extravaganza podcast. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, probably recruits. a few weeks. We're gonna have a recruits. recruits. We'll We're gonna at, mull we'll, over a month, probably or two on that. We'll look at some of like um, maybe like Andy Katz's way too early top twenty five or yeah. whatever. We'll take but a look at. We're gonna be lists. more active than we were last off season because last off season we did the end of season awards and then I think we kind of went away. We went dark. Um, we went prone for about five months. You know, you, you can you attribute some of that to COVID, sure. But we're gonna be more active this off season. Mm-hmm. Maiden March isn't going anywhere, and once again. Shout out to all you guys. Shout out to all the loyal listeners, loyal fans. Um, Join our Made in March bracket for when it was just, it was a lot of fun this year. Yep. Should we get into uh, one more note to end it off here? Yeah, if you'd like. Uh, so North Carolina, they found their new replacement for Roy Williams, Hubert Davis, longtime assistant at North Carolina. He is stepping into that role. I think a lot of teams are going with the, uh, the in-house Transition. I think it's least. always a safe option. It's a safe. It's not. I don't know if I'm, I think I'm everyone, not a huge fan of big programs personally. I mean, I I like this hire. I think everyone kind of saw this. They saw the writing on the wall. They yes. They knew that North Carolina. They probably weren't going to go out and get just like a big name. They weren't going to go and get a Nate Oates. 
Yeah, they weren't going to try to make a run at like a Mark Few, even though that would never happen. The storied programs try to stay in house while like the programs and, that are up and coming. Try you know, to they didn't. Up. They weren't just blind. They didn't know. Like Roy Williams didn't just all of a sudden turn eighty years old. That's true. They knew that you know there was going to be a day when Roy Williams was going to hang, hang up. up his metaphorical cleats, and so you know. You, if you know North Carolina, they've been probably grooming that guy, probably some other assistants as well, to see who'd be the best. So, you know, while I can't years. say I know too much about Hubert Davis, I got all the confidence in the world that he'll get the job done at North Carolina and that they'll be back. Absolutely. Back to their ways. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Not as good as not as good as your Shaka signing though, Alex. Not, not as good. Not, not as, as good. good. I think I think relatively, I think Marquette's Shaka signing is probably better than North Carolina hire. Relatively speaking, going from Woj to Shaka, I think that's a pretty big upgrade from Marquette. Oh, huge upgrade! But listen, this is not a Marquette episode. This was a correct. This was a championship episode. We we'll talk about Marquette. Well, they, they might get some transfers this off season. Who knows? Alex? Maybe they'll get a maybe they'll get a mention or two. We'll see. Maybe, maybe they'll, they'll get a shout out. Um, but yeah, you know we're gonna be back. Make sure to stay tuned to Made in March. And um, until next time, this is Made in March. <laughs>